Hey, I'm Alex Starr, and this is the podcast that connects you with people from around the world that have fresh ideas, concepts, or inspiring stories. We are in a unique place in time that has never been seen before, with billions of people now able to communicate and share information across the globe. Be a part of the movement in rising together to create the world we want. I'm glad you're listening. Pull up a seat, and let's get started. experts are agreed that in each of us there are deep reservoirs of ability even genius that we habitually fail to use why we know that most people desire by nature to succeed but what is success what is this word that has become so famous in the world what does it mean most people don't know what success is all about and since they don't know what it's about they really don't know where to look for it Success is really nothing more than the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. This means that any person who knows what he's doing and where he's going is a success. Any person with a goal toward which he's working is a successful person. This means that the boy in in high school who's working toward a diploma or the boy in college toward a degree is just as successful as any human being on earth because he knows what he's doing, why he's getting up in the morning, and where he's going. But conversely, if a person doesn't know what he's working toward, what it is he wants, doesn't have a goal toward which he's working, then he must, at least by this definition, be called unsuccessful. Why isn't then, with this simple definition, why isn't everyone successful? It should be easy. Yet surveys indicate that 19 out of 20, 95% at least, are not. In fact, a survey one time asked thousands of working men why they got up in the morning and went to work, and 19 out of 20 didn't know. 19 out of 20 working people didn't have the foggiest notion of why they got up in the morning and went to work. Under closer questioning, they said, well, everybody works. Well, that would be a good reason to quit. In fact, here's a little rule of thumb you might want to remember. Whatever the great majority is doing under any given circumstance, if you do exactly the opposite, You'll probably never make another mistake as long as you live. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. The problem with most people is that they're playing the world's most unrewarding game. And the name of the game is Follow the Follower. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Pull Up a Seat with Alex Starr. That was a short little clip you just heard from Earl Nightingale in 1956 which I thought pertained to what I'm hearing lately in the world from my peers and from my friends um, about what to do with our lives. This is including myself because I have no idea what I'm doing in six months. And I recently made a road trip down here to Nogales, Arizona, where I'm working, had a long drive. So I called some people I haven't talked to in a while, and I'm hearing the same thing uncertainty about the future, uncertainty about relationships, uncertainty about jobs, uncertainty about where to move next, uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. Good news. Everybody's uncertain. No one knows what the fuck is going on. Nobody. Presidents don't know what's going on. Senators don't know what's going on. CEOs don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. This world is a mystery. Tomorrow is a mystery, and it is cliche as hell. Next year is a mystery. Nobody knows what's going on. Maybe aliens know what's going on. Interdimensional beings when you smoke too much DMT. 
the Illuminati. Maybe they know what's going on, but everybody else, nobody knows what's going on. Every single person is unsure of what is going on and what is going to happen in the future. That's fantastic, fantastic news because that means that nobody's alone. We're not alone. Everyone's thinking the same thing. I just had dinner last night with two doctors that live uh, in the room next to me in this house that I'm staying in. And they're in their seventh year of medical school and they're not sure what they're going to do because they don't know where they're going to move next. They don't know exactly what they're going to specialize in. They're not sure what hospital they're going to go to. They're not sure if they might get sick of being a doctor. And these are people who have devoted seven years of their life and they were sure of that. So it's always changing. It's always moving. But I think that by anybody who's listening to podcasts, so if you're listening to this, I assume you listen to other podcasts. Maybe you read books Maybe you listen to certain types of music. And I'm guessing that the reason you do that is because you want to be a better person. Everyone wants to be a better person. Everyone wants to evolve, develop, grow, create a different world and a different person every day that's at least a little tiny bit better than the one before. And that means that we're all successful already. Right now. I'm talking right now as you're listening to this. You're already successful. You already have it going on because... You're probably not in prison. Maybe you are in prison, but maybe you're going to get out soon. I mean, you're being successful right now by just sitting there wherever you are or walking. Whatever it is you're doing right now while you're listening to this, you're being successful, which is a really cool way of thinking about it. And I hope that by... Damn it. Fuck. Whatever, I'm going to still go on. I didn't like the way that was going, but I'm just going to post this anyway. Anyway, um, I have Derek Flonsreich on today, who is the CEO and founder of Greatest.com. He got into fitness in a major way when he was 23 and got six-pack abs and hated it. He realized that he wanted to create a company that brought balance and realistic expectations to health and fitness. So we started Greatest.com. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-S-T, like a great artist, those two words combined. It now gets 10 million hits a month, and he is creating something that allows a free flow of information brought to the people uh, in a very interesting format, and he goes deep, 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 deep in this episode, talks about difficulties in staying true to himself in spite of expectations imposed upon him and what he does to keep true to himself. And he also talks about what the most important thing to do is before starting or improving on any project. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear that. A big shout out to my buddy Adam Gold who got me connected with Derek um, and was able to get this accomplished. I'm going to apologize real quick for the Wi-Fi connection. I was in Antigua, Guatemala. Derek was in New York and I have no control over that whatsoever. Um, and I'm really curious when I was thinking about this intro, what I was going to say, I realized that I was going to apologize for the Wi-Fi connection, which means I'm apologizing for ones and zeros being transmitted invisibly around me that I can't see compiling a video pixelation that is compiled into a video that I see that resembles a human form. And if you were to go back 100 years and tell someone that a realistic apology 100 years in the future was a person apologizing to people on a podcast 
that they can listen to anywhere. And he's apologizing for these invisible ones and zeros being transmitted to satellites that compile a video on this glass screen where you can see other people. They'd think you're insane. And then I started to wonder what will we be apologizing for in a hundred years from now, if that's the difference in the past hundred. So anyway, I hope you listen. That's enough of my rant. Uh, leave me a comment, subscribe to iTunes, all that good stuff. Enjoy the show. I'll see you guys on the next one. Welcome to Pull Up a Seat with your host, Alex Starr. Yo, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, and I heard you on Mike Dillard's show. Yeah. Um, and that was a little more business oriented, but I'm super stoked to hear about how you're 28, I'm 27, and how the internet is now using and greatest your website is utilizing kind of these new mediums for everyone to create the foundation that they want for health, you know, which I think is the coolest mm-hmm. part. And your story where you started, where you said you used to have six pack abs and it sucked and you don't, you didn't like having the six pack abs. Was there a point where you, um, like hit a threshold where you're like, dude, you woke up one morning and thought, I really don't want to eat this brown rice and chicken again. I'm going to just live a more balanced lifestyle. Was there an exact moment for that? Well, um, are we like, are we on or like, should I be expecting that we are like recording here? We are recording. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you didn't get that. Perfect. Um, I just, it's always good to know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so I did the six, be, six pack abs in six weeks as like a challenge. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was only for six weeks and that's the one it said on all the magazine covers. And then sure. the general setup for me was was that I felt like I'd seen it on every single magazine cover growing up, but I'd never actually met anyone who'd really gotten six-pack abs in six weeks. I didn't really know that many people who had six-pack abs and didn't, like, always have them in my mind. Sure. Um, and as, like, the big kid growing up in the class, I wondered whether it was really possible to achieve that. And, I, you know, I figured out, and, and, and I'm much better – you know, about my health and wellness and have been, you know, since I sort of started figuring it out. But um, I definitely am probably would be classified as like a relatively healthy person who's imperfect. Um, and I'm a pretty big guy. So I was definitely on the heavier side of average, but not heavy sure. um, before I decided to do it. And when I did it, I, lit, you know, worked with a trainer, checked in with doctors, like I did everything right. And it basically di- and didn't do anything crazy. I mean, it was seven days, seven workouts a week, um, you know, a couple of them heavy weight and most of them sort of like boring cardio, steady state cardio. And then um, I ate like on a severely calorie restricted diet, um, but I didn't like have any weird rules. I really basically ate chicken and rice, right? And vegetables. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and I did it. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely accomplished six back abs in six weeks, but you know, the story is that I just hated it. I hated the whole <laughs> process. I was super hangry all the time. And most importantly, like for me, the joys in life of like some guacamole and chips and spending time with my friends, 
you know, in the evenings over some drinks. Like those are things that not everyone loves, but that I really enjoy. Sure, sure. And for me, it wasn't the right thing. Um, now, does that mean that if I were to get six pack abs, like over a couple years and learn to like build that habit into my life, that maybe like it, there's, I have anything against that? Absolutely not. But greatest and, and my personal vision about health and really the mission that I want to share with the world has always been about like, what's good for you. Uh, I mean, that's literally what we say at the top of greatest, but, yeah. you know, it, it's all about like, not what you're doing, but why. And I, I do think it differs for everyone. Uh, that isn't sort of a, you do whatever you want. It's, it's like, what's good for you, you know? So it has to really be good, but, but, it, but that means there's no actual, like, I believe basically there's no judgment that should be passed on like a cupcake. Like maybe you love cupcakes. Like I don't <laughs> love cupcakes. If I'm eating a cupcake, like that's not a good thing for me, but I just don't like that, right? Like if I am eating a delicious cinnamon bun, which I'm a big fan of cinnamon buns, Who's not like, that? and I, right. And I mean, I don't know why anyone wouldn't be, but like, <laughs> as, as long as I'm eating it because I'm like enjoying this, there's a choice I'm making. Like that could be a really good thing. It can help sort of, you know, introduce a ritual and, and, you know, feel like the real joy of like terrifically well-made food and, you know, enjoy this like indulgence. Like, so a anyway, a, a lot of that was put to the extreme test during the six pack abs in six weeks. Right. And the minute it was done, frankly, I went straight to Shake Shack and like <laughs> ate a burger and um, ice cream and felt so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, like, I heard on, I heard... <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Well, I heard on your, on the other podcast too, you said thinking about getting healthy in a healthier way. And I think that nails it right on the head. Yeah, I mean, and I totally. think it all comes back to how you were just saying, it's got to be about balance. It's not eating shakes and burgers every day, but it's not eating broccoli and brown rice and incorporating not what the health magazines tell, you know, cause they're just, they're trying to make money, man. You know, the magazines are just trying to put out whatever works that's, that's going to kind of fit to the most amount of people, right? Yep. And it doesn't doesn't fit what you're going to do. It doesn't fit for me. You know, maybe you're an alcoholic and you shouldn't drink any alcohol and the magazines are saying, no, have one glass of red wine at night, you know, but that doesn't work for everybody, obviously, you know? Same That's thing right. for sugar, same thing for anything. So I think taking that, what you guys are doing at greatest.com um, and making that just a more, just a healthier, more... Um, just cohesive way of looking at it, a balanced way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, and, and the reason is not because I like am just like an altruistic, like, I mean, I like to think I want to, you know, I do genuinely want to make each difference in the world. But I believe that that's how you actually build great long-term like businesses and brands is by building for the long-term. And so I actually think that all these magazines and frankly, most things in health and wellness for the last, you know, since health and wellness became a thing, yeah. um, have, have been successful, like doing it. It's just been easy to do it the easy way and humans. And, you know, at least I know from my experience, like I've tried it, mm -hmm. everything. Like I've tried so many dumb things. Like it's un 
terrible, dumb mistakes I've made in terms of things I've purchased or like random pills I've taken or like we as humans, we want shortcuts. Of course we want shortcuts, half our way to this, half our way to that. And it's so easy to sell that because people want this stuff so badly. But my bet on the future is that millennials in particular and sort of just the whole spirit around um, like health and wellness changing. When people think about health, they're actually looking for something greater, something that doesn't talk about health and fitness being the point, but more about it just being like this part of living a healthier, longer, happier life. I felt growing up like something like that didn't exist, that everyone was just trying to sell me something or sell me a miracle pill or, you know, telling me information that wasn't true so I would click a little. Sure. Like, and I was so frustrated because I felt like if somebody actually built something that was done the right way, that could be many times more successful and last longer in a way that would really truly help people as compared to these other, you know, whether it's traditional media magazines or TV shows or, you know, some of these influencers. For sure, man. And I mean, the process is the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to is instead of just trying to attain thinking, because that's what our, our system kind of sets that up where once you get the abs, yeah. well, of course, you're going to be happy once you have your six-pack abs, Derek, you know? Right. Look at the people yeah, the, in the magazines exactly on TV. Right. Yeah. They, they, they look happy. So once you get that, you're going to be happy, man. Right. Once, once you get your And then when you learn, <laughs> the dream. <laughs> but, you know, once you learn, right, once you learn that that's all totally fucking bullshit, like then the eyes open, right? Like if I, how many people, if you were to, normal people, if you were to ask them, like if you were to ask them, how does that person on the cover of Men's Health feel? Most people would see they feel great because they look great. But right. most people don't know that they've actually dehydrated for 48 hours. But they don't actually remotely look like that unless it's for a photo shoot. And that they are professionals doing that for the most part or heavily photoshopped afterwards. Like to look a certain way and to mess with our like the way we think about body image ideals. Um, and I think it's changing, right? I mean, yeah. there's a big backlash to this. And so and the reason is because I think basically millennials are skeptical and tired of the bullshit. <laughs> and we have the like internet now. And we know too much. You exactly. Know? We, we know too much. And that's exactly. great because I think it, it, what it actually does, it opens up a window of opportunity, like a window of opportunity to build great brands who actually care, that will actually succeed because people know they're not just trying to like swindle them into, you know, another year-long subscription, right? Or uh, guilt yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Because that's been like, the space has been typified sort of by making people feel worse about themselves instead of better. The most successful TV show on this topic ever is called The Biggest Loser. <laughs> like, which is only clever if you hate yourself. Right. Like there's no, there's no other way that that's clever. It's terrible. Like it's a terrible thing. And the show doesn't work. It ruins these people's lives. And they all weigh game back. I mean, it's like, some of this stuff is so unreal almost right. that it's embarrassing that like people have been able to get away with it. Yeah, well, you're not going to buy anything if you feel great about yourself. I disagree. I don't think you're, you're not going to buy as much. I don't. I think like you said, the way that you, you make people feel yeah. worse about themselves and then try and fix it by buying things or doing things that maybe they weren't even – they didn't even want in the first place. Yeah, well, I'll say that it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
if you tell people you're not good enough, but if you have this product, you'll get there, and you keep telling people they're not good enough, they'll keep looking for products that help them get there. Sure. I think that's how it's been. However, there's a reason that these traditional magazines are not doing as great as they used to. And it's not just because there's digital now and there's more information. By the way, most of those have made, most of those magazines have made the leap quite well, frankly. They're just bringing more of their message, you know, on the internet. Took them a little while, but now they're, I would say they're relatively there. The, the, the truth, I think, is that millennials in particular are tired of being told they're not good enough and want to believe instead, and good for them, right, that they are good enough and that it's not about being not, not being something, but it's actually working to improve and just get better to head in the right direction. And that, that I think, is frankly the most important, like, message of all, right? Totally, yeah. I mean, that's my mission in life to help people think about in that way and greatest mission is is the same right but um yeah i mean i think yeah anyway that's what i think you know yeah yeah and how does when you use greatest which is did you mean to incorporate because i see it as greatest and then artist combined was that was there any did you mean to do that or is that just the way that it kind of the word worked because i think it's kind of cool actually if you're trying to create you're like the artist of yourself and to be the greatest and you're a great artist. I don't know. I thought that was kind of a cool play on words. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's actually the, the example I use a lot. I mean, roughly it's like an artist who works on art and a greatest works on being great. It doesn't have to be a, like somebody doing, maybe it's an artist of your own life in some ways. Yeah. I love that. But, but, but I guess all it is supposed to be, right? All, I mean, what it's supposed to be is like there's this, there's never been an identity for someone who's between the couch potato and the perfect flawless athlete. And that is crazy to me. Like it's crazy that there's no identity, no lifestyle, no thing somewhere that's in between. Sure. And so that's what greatest is supposed to be. Greatest is supposed to be for people who know, sort of acknowledge they don't have to be the greatest, but they want to improve and get better to just keep getting greater. Sure. Um, and they understand what you said earlier, the process, Right. Like I, you know, I use it as the journey, right? Like that it's a journey with no endpoints. And that's not a thing you can sell for $99, <laughs> you know, but, but it is the truth. And I think millennials more than anyone else, like get that shit. You know? <laughs> You're right. We, we do get that shit, man. Because like you said, if you put on greatest, if you put on some article, um, you know, I don't know, talking about how abs are going to do this or that's going to do that. People, it's so easy to call bullshit now that it's so easy. The lie, okay. Our lie detectors are so finely tuned compared to our yeah. parents that it's just, oh, it's yeah. greatest put on this website, but this is bullshit. Now, here's why it's bullshit because I just looked it up on Google and now you that's have nothing. Right. And, you know? and, and, and frankly, like, we're also sick of, like, and tired of this not working. Like that's the other part of this is that we all grew up with parents who were who are not healthy, right? Right. Who didn't know, who tried all the same things, but it didn't succeed, right? Like our parents grew up being told that fat was bad and like you know and and carbs were fine basically, right? And that sugar is great, right? <laughs> right like and a right. fine replacement for fat, you know, like. They've been misinformed, and their the products they bought have been unsuccessful, and obesity has never been worse. Right, right. 
up until a few years ago, still not getting much better, but in, in some areas it's getting better. Um, like, so we've seen it firsthand. We're seeing our parents and generations in the past struggle with diabetes, struggle with obesity and unprecedented levels. And we're like thinking to ourselves again, because maybe we know too much. Well, clearly that whatever they're on is not working, right. you know? Exactly. So we need to like dig deeper, which was my personal journey too. Right, a feeling like none of this stuff was really helping me. Every Google search that I did, every magazine that I opened, every TV show that I turned on wasn't helping. Like, let me start reading because I'm crazy. All these scientific studies in PubMed, right? Like peer-approved scientific journal studies, so I can actually learn what's true and what's not. And then I thought, no one should have to go through this because this stuff is boring, <laughs> yeah. right? And like, how do we share this true information in a way that's really compelling? God, and that's the beauty of the internet, isn't it, man? Taking these things and giving it in bite-sized pieces so that we can all read it and just take the essential knowledge from all these scientific journals. Just say, hey, eat more healthy fats. You know, instead of reading all 10 pages as why and reading the introduction, hypothesis, and conclusion, you know, just, oh, man, I read this article on Greatest and talked about this is why I should eat more healthy fats, why avocados are so great. You know, and it just condenses this beautiful information that is so helpful and just pop it out there to people super easy. Yep. I mean, that's basically right. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, that's the beauty of the internet, you know? It's the beauty of your I site. Mean, and, you know, I think, you know, that what we're trying to do with Greatest, right, is to, is to uh, create a brand people love and trust in a space that I think people need one badly and that helps shape their mindset around health. That like you said, and, and you know, is a line that I, I say all the time is help, help people think of health in this healthier way. They're starting to get there, like help push them in the right direction. And the way we do that today and won't be the only way we do it in the future is through content. We have content that is science backed and expert approved and like what we call unreasonably great. Like there's no real reason every fact should be cited by a scientific study. There's no genuine reason why every article needs to prove by at least two experts if it needs it, other than we think that's the way it should be done. But that's like the table stakes. Yeah. We think millennials are like, of course it should be legit. What the key to what we do is that then we, we shape all that stuff and then we tell the story in a way that's authentic and personable and realistic and actionable. It's just real, man. Like that's what's been missing in the space is someone being like, I can tell you how many are that say, you know, drinking is bad for you. Like, and so don't think about drinking. And it's like an unreal thing because I don't know, like even saying binge drinking is bad is crazy. Most people I know, I haven't met a guy in my life who hasn't been drinking, you know, a couple of times, <laughs> right? So, like, but who are we kidding, right? There are, there are times when people do that, right? Yeah. And so telling the story of, like, don't do it, you're an idiot, is pointless. Instead, it should be like, look, if you're going to go out drinking, here's what you should be thinking about. Here's how to, like, alternate with water. Here's how to, like, what you should eat beforehand. Or here's to get rid of your hangover. Morning. Yeah. 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 And, and, or like, don't worry so much about it. Like be safe, be careful. Like, obviously there are real problems if you take it too seriously. Like, so don't go too far off the deep end, but like, here's what you should be thinking about and enjoy yourself. Like, just don't do it too often. Like that story is so crucial, right? It's like, who's going to write the story on Molly that says like, okay, so if you're on Molly, or doing Molly, here's what you should be thinking about. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Who's going to write that story? 
most people are just writing like don't do molly you, you idiot like <laughs> just a refined you know a form of e right yeah but that's not helpful basically right because people are like what is that and when i'm on it or like what should i do hearing something as simple as like make sure you're drinking enough water yeah like because people don't die from molly typically they die from dehydration right it's like very helpful if sure. you're like doing molly sometimes yeah it's I, kind of- you know I, and I from no actually personal experience other than I love the fact that we're covering this shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. That la- the last part you just said broke up the last like ten seconds. You say that you uh you're glad that you're talking about this? Uh, I just was saying that it'd be Okay. Yeah, man, it's kinda Sorry. like it's kinda like uh Preaching abstinence and then surprise when babies still keep popping out. That yeah, you know right. that kind of it's, mindset, right. you know. Yeah, like see what's the best way to prevent. Right, it's like abstinence, but it's like a ridiculous thing. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, actually, nice way of putting it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, when you first, so when you when you were first starting, greatest. And you were taking all these scientific journals and you were thinking, God, there needs to be something real and authentic out on the internet for health and fitness. Where, how did you go from that to just – did you kind of start a blog of it first? Was Greatest initially just your blog and then from there it grew into what it is today over the past few years? Or how did that come about? Yeah, so uh, Greatest started – so I was frustrated with this space and became a really big like personal – it became like a personal hobby on the side for me, frankly. Um, and then I, I started organizations my whole life, uh, you know, in middle school and high school and college, I started these things like school groups and, and media productions. And then like, you know, uh, an online political forum, a newsletter, and then like a TV show online. I just oh, was no always shit. starting things. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, and I just kind of loved creating stuff that like added something new to the community that didn't exist that, you know, um, were well-branded, that helped, like, the community grow, and that were sustainable. And it, I just kind of fell in love with doing that and sort of gave up on trying to do anything else. And so when I graduated, I knew I wanted to start my own thing. I joined a startup, you know, believing I needed to get experience first out in San Francisco. Uh, worked at a company called Clicker um, that sold six months later to CBS for $110 million, reportedly around there. Um, and so I just was, like, there for the ride. I made no part of it. I was just there. I don't think I helped them at all. I just <laughs> literally was there. But, but it was a really sort of eye-opening experience. One, because it was really successful, so I got to see that part of it. And two, because I basically thought it could be more successful. And I was really struck by that notion. Why? Why? How could it have been more successful? And to me, it really came down to the vision and the culture. And I basically that kind of prompted me to ditch every idea I had for something I wasn't extraordinarily passionate about sure. and wasn't like the culture I wanted to build. And so for me, it came back to health. And I just was like, I don't know how to build the defining healthy living brand and business for this generation, but I'm going to try. Nice. And, Great. Uh, yeah. and so I convinced a bunch of friends of mine to write for free. It was never just me doing it, but it definitely was a blog roughly when we started with a blog with big ambitions. <laughs> and and we 
Wikipedia, you know, we had a couple writers. Everyone was, was contributing for free. Uh, and then as it started to pick up some steam when we launched, um, I moved to New York, hired a few people. And, you know, five years later, we, you know, reached nearly 12 million unique visitors a month, won a couple Webby Awards for, you know, nearly profitable. Most We were profitable most of last year. Um, we raised some funding, you know. So, you know, I'd like to think we're just at the beginning, but it's been a wild ride. Um, we turned five years old in April. So, Congrats, man! Happy birthday! Yeah, man. Thanks. We we <laughs> we, we, we live. Yeah, that's great. Twelve million unique visitors a month. What unique? Does that mean they're new, well, or what does that mean exactly? Yeah, yeah. Unique means people, like different people. In okay. theory, okay. Uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the best metric we've got in okay. a, in a world of bad metrics. Okay, exactly. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Twelve million visitors a month. That's pretty impressive, yeah. man. That's that's great, and I mean, it's all people little, coming to check out health and fitness, yet. right? That's obviously a sign yeah. that it's something important to people. Yeah, I think that's true. I believe people have been aching for a brand and a business they could trust in this space. And yes. uh, again, I hope we're just the hope we're just the beginning of like providing that for them. You know? Yeah, man. No, and I like I like the concept, which is kind of why I like doing these podcasts. Is I like the concept of authenticity whether it's relating yeah. to health or conversations or what, what have you. And yeah, putting stuff out about drugs or putting stuff out about being realistic about what life is and how people are going to react to it instead of acting like these things don't exist or, you know, I love that concept of what you're creating probably the most. Oh, you froze a little bit. Thanks man. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad uh, it resonated. I, I uh, I was just saying that I'm like, I'm just trying to build the brand and business that, that, uh, I wanted to see. And I'm glad I resonate with other people. Basically. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. For sure. No, it's great stuff. Um, so I got three questions to kind of finish it off here. And it's three questions I ask every guest I have on. Okay. Yeah. You ready? I'm, I'm <laughs> ready. All right, man. The first one is, what's your biggest insecurity about yourself today that you still have? Yeah. Um, well, so the probably the classic answer is like the imposter syndrome, right? Um, I'm the youngest person now on our executive team, I believe. Um, everyone who reports to me is older than me and has more kids than me, and I have zero. Um <laughs> And it is both exhilarating and exciting to have people report to me who know way more about me than way more than me about everything, sure. um, yeah. or at least the things that they're focused on. Um, but it's also intimidating, you know, and, and humbling. Um, so I think I think that's probably the classic CEO answer. It is. Yeah, um, that, yeah. I think probably that's a cop out because it's so sort of. Kind of everyone struggles with it. I think my big thing is about being authentic. I think I'm, I, it's so important. I realized halfway into this journey, two and a half years in, that a really profound thing, I think, <laughs> that basically, like, if I worked on me, my business was better. And I used to think that if I could work on me once my business was better. Right, right. And it took me a long time to figure that out. I had to go away on vacation. I heard <laughs> you say that, there. man. You take a week off every six months, right? 
Yeah. That's now, and then I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to, I love this. I'm going to do this next six months. <laughs> yeah. But the first, time I, the first time I went helped really like set me on that path and me working on bettering myself and just being more true to who I am is uh, a real struggle for me. Um, and I'm, I think I've come a long way, but it's hard because so much of my life has been about trying to fit a certain role or fit a certain expectation around like what a leader is mm-hmm. and what like a, a CEO now is, but um, that it's hard for me to even answer sometimes what I really want because I'm always thinking about like what do people expect of me. And um, anyway, I, I don't know what that is other than to say that like true, authentic, like like for really being present, like that takes a lot of work and I'm working <laughs> on it. Great, man. Yeah. That's stuff everyone struggles with, right? Being able to yeah, separate what you actually so. want versus what people are expecting you to do. I think that just cuts right yep. to the core of it. Um, so besides going away on vacation for a week every six months, which is really important too, what other tactic do you use on a day-to-day basis if you're feeling a setback or a failure or you're feeling those kind of demons come in? What's a tactic you use to overcome? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I feel like it's a broken record because everyone says it now, but for sure meditation. I mean, meditation has been huge. Meditation and breathing. I started meditating a couple years ago when I hurt my back. And it's like one of the best things that I did. I meditate every morning now. Um, I, I, you know, I don't do anything weird and crazy. I do five minutes of breathing work. And then this year I amped it up to eight minutes. My goal is to get it up to 20 minutes. Um, but I, I, it's huge. Like it's unreal. Actually. I try not to be a crazy like meditation, convert, <laughs> but I, but I am like, I super am. And I, I see it in your eyes, man. <laughs> it's super hard to communicate the extraordinary effect it has. Um, and it, it's like literally my whole day is different. You know, if yeah. I meditate and when I don't, um, everything moves a little crisper and clean. And do you yeah. use that? Um, do you do that? In the middle and of the then, day? you know, oh, go ahead. I don't, you know, if I'm if I'm struggling a little, uh, if I'm having a tough day or there's a big thing coming up and I'm a little, you know, feeling like, you know, I need to kind of build up to it, I, I'll definitely like steal into a room and, and breathe a bit, you know. Oh, really? Um, and sort okay. Of find center. Absolutely, yeah. Um, even in meetings, sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, you know, like I find I take more pauses and there's more like silence i think and sort of enjoy i can enjoy that and relish that and the power of that a little more anyway that yeah so what else do i do uh you know i think eating better and working out helps it a ton i find some foods like it's crazy to me but like if things are really high in sugar and i love i actually love sugar um but like when i eat sugar i basically am like there goes the day like for some reason it like kind of fogs my mind i'm just not as like sure. crisp and clean yeah and so uh it's interesting to think of what you're putting in your body right like affecting you, but I mean, it clearly does. Yeah. Oh, completely, man. Yeah, and that it can have such last, such longing effects too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, you kind of, yeah, you are what you eat, which it sounds cliche, but whatever, it's true. Um, so the last question is, what book? Yeah, it's cliche, and it's like, the problem with you are what you eat is, um, sorry, the problem with you are what you eat is that it's like not good advice. Like, it's true, maybe, but it's not like actionable. It's like, okay, great, but then what should I eat? You, you yeah, know? yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and that's that's where uh, health websites like yours kind of come into play a little better. Because there's almost the other thing too. There's almost so much information out there now that it's hard to eat this, not that. Do paleo, do intermittent fasting. You know, eat vegan, don't eat vegan. Have a little bit of meat. You know, eat chicken. You should probably eat more fish. Don't eat too much fish because there's mercury in fish. I mean, it's just and you just get this mind overload, man, and you don't know. Okay, fuck it. I'm just gonna go eat a cheeseburger. Yeah, which is why, by the way, you turn to brands and influencers, ideally like greatest, to help you know point you in the way and in the right direction. The problem is when there aren't good ones. Yeah, and you're exactly. turning to Jillian, you know, or you're turning to somebody else. Right, exactly, or ones with ulterior motives, right? That that play uh, off as works. that they're trying to give good information. Yeah, yeah, so, I agree. Um, the last question I have for you is what's what's the what book has had the biggest impact on your life? It's kind of a random question, but what book have you read that just you know changed your whole kind of outlook the minute that you put it down? Yeah, so the one that I loved is um, the culture book that the head of Pixar put out recently. Um, I'm just trying to think of like what is my favorite recent one, um, and I. I'm forgetting the name, but uh, <laughs> I remember it. Create, oh, it's called Creativity Inc. Creativity Inc. Yeah. Um, it is by Ed Catmull. And it's about like how like Pixar's like machine works, how you can like create a machine to like drive great creativity and innovation. Um, it's amazing. It's a great. It came out. I don't know two years ago or a year ago or something like that. Um, I, that's like a, a must read, I think, for anyone who's actively speaking about business building. Um, that's new. Uh, more older book, uh, it's called Building a Company. It's about uh, Roy Disney. Um, so I'm like a really huge Disney fan. Uh, Walt Disney, like the history of Disney. Yeah. And I like the parts too, but like, and I go actually every year to, to nice. Disney World, my brother. Um, but I'm like a history, like I'm, I really, I mean, Disney is like an amazing company. To, it's a stunningly, stunning example of a company that has used uh, technology and like cutting edge digital innovation to stay on top of trends instead of fall behind them. And like done it through terrific storytelling and like ballsy business moves. Um, and like epic tentpole thinking, like it's just an amazing company. And a lot of that stems from the original founder, Walt Disney, who was a character, but a visionary, yeah. his brother, so Walt and his old, slightly older brother, Roy really built Disney. And his brother was like the money man, you know, that he would like basically find a way to make it work. And he ran the business. Um, and this guy, Bob Thomas, who's this biographer wrote a book on Walt Disney, which is terrific. And then he wrote it from like the perspective of his brother and it's called building a company and it's fascinating. It's like so great. Uh, anyway, those are two books that come to mind. Um, 
And then, but most of my time, I read fantasy books. Do you? Fantasy inside. Like which? Like which ones? Oh my god, the best freaking books are the Patrick Rothfuss novels. Um, Patrick Rothfuss is like unreal good. Um, he wrote these <laughs> books called um, "The Na- Name of the Wind," "Wise Man's Fear," and there's a third book coming out. And there's like that's going to be the next big thing. You're stoked. It's like the next Game of Thrones. It's like so. I don't even like Game of Thrones, the books as much. Um, Patrick Rothfuss, man, he's really good. I like actually stepping away, frankly, from business when I'm reading. Yeah, I would imagine, man. Yeah, well, when you mentioned those first two, it's like, okay, well, I can see those would be really inspirational for someone like you in your position. But, yeah, I could also see taking that step back and being able to get out of your world a little bit too, right? Yeah. Dragons absolutely. and shit, castles and everything. <laughs> like my favorite those are like all my favorite things yeah <laughs> that's why i like disney world so much man that stuff is cool yeah i think i think i'm a big kid like i love that stuff i love sort of sometimes i joke it's like manufactured entertainment but um yeah uh, i love i i love the suspension of like disbelief because i think the suspension of disbelief leads to like your brain and your like your thoughts and ideas being connected in interesting creative ways. Uh-huh. Like in some, in some ways, I would argue no ideas are new. They're just like like applications of like old ideas in new settings. And so, not to get too like philosophical, no, but that's I think awesome. That, like, yeah. Yeah, that's I think a- that like fantasy and sci-fi, especially sci-fi. My favorite author of all time is Ray Bradbury. Like helps like connect things in a new, very powerful and exciting way. Bradbury's Fahrenheit, right? Yeah, Fahrenheit 451. Okay. Actually, one of my least favorite things that he's done. My favorite stuff that he's done is the short stories. Okay. Um, he has like, which is actually Fahrenheit 451 was originally a short story. But most people grow up and they read Fahrenheit 451, which is just a really long-ass version of a, a very good short story. His other short stories are like unreal great. Really? See, I didn't even know he had other ones. Fahrenheit's the only book I've ever read of his. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you should go and read. Just I think you should go and read some of the stuff. Okay. <laughs> Will do, man. Well, shoot, Derek, it's been awesome, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Greatest.com, G-R-E-A-T-I-S-T. How else do people find you? I'm at Twitter, all the social media, the norms. How do people find you and your site and get in touch with the health? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Pinterest and Facebook are like – you know, the places to find us, subscribe to our email newsletter. And I'm personally like so easy to reach out to. I'm uh, just Derek at greatest. I'm, my Twitter handle is the Derek, um, which when I say out loud sounds really douchey, but I didn't realize <laughs> that until I got it and thought it was so smart and clever. But um, I'm really easy to reach out to. And I love hearing from anyone who's trying to build great stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, it was great. I yeah. love hearing your story about authentic health and everything and, uh, keep doing yeah, what you're so. doing. Looking forward to seeing what, what else you guys, uh, put up with. And, uh, if I get out to New York soon, um, we'll go out, but you know, we won't, we won't. Absolutely. And if we get too drunk, then we can look up on your site, how to cure our hangover. That's right. That's right. We won't take it too, too seriously. Exactly. Um, and then we'll, we'll make up for it the next morning. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate the chat. You really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks man. Talk to you soon. Yeah, peace. Bye. Bye.